1: Hello and welcome to LiveWise Buy, Hold, Sell. My name is Chris Conway. Today we are very lucky to be joining you from Melbourne, my hometown, as we don't often get to hear from fundies from here. So buckle up because today we'll be bringing you a deep dive into the small cap market. You will learn whether the worst is over for small cap investors, as well as some of our fundies' favorite stocks. To do that, we're joined by Mike Younger from Prime Value and Katie Hudson from Yarra Capital Management. It's been a tough 12 months for small cap investors. Is the worst over? or are there still risks on the horizon? Katie, we'll start with you.
0: Uh, We think the the worst is over, certainly from an interest rate perspective. Uh, We do a lot of work understanding what's going on with inflation, and all the data points we're collecting suggest inflation is on the way down. Uh, Freight rates have normalised, uh, supply chains are starting to normalise, hard and soft commodity prices have certainly come down, and all of that means that we think interest rates are certainly done for now. Uh, we'll still th- still see the effect of that flowing through the economy, of course. Um, the one area we are mindful of where we think we may not be done in terms of the worst being over is with, with credit and credit flows starting to flow out. You know, we really want to be careful of companies that rely on capital recycling as part of their business model uh, because we think there's still work to go on that front.
1: Mike, what about you? Do you think the worst is over or there's still some risks out there?
2: Look, it's possible uh, that the worst is over. I think from an earnings perspective, there are still risks there, you know, we really haven't seen the effect of the interest rate increases fully flowing through to households just yet. Um, And you've got the fixed rate mortgage cliff, which in the June quarter and the September quarter have got their greatest rollovers happening. Um, So we think that that is still yet to manifest in company earnings. But from a price perspective, you've got the small ordinaries index down about 20% from its peak at the end of December 2021. And uh, the large caps are up a little bit since that time. So Price has moved ahead of earnings in small caps. And when we drill into it, the industrials are actually trading below where they were pre-COVID, which is almost the only asset class where we've seen that phenomenon happen. So we know that small caps rebound harder than large caps do. We also know that markets move up before the economic data bottoms. And so that's why I say it's possible.
1: Mike, you sort of touched on it there. We'll explore it a little bit deeper. How much value are you seeing in the small cap space right now? Well, the index
2: PE is probably about in line with long-term average, around 17 times or thereabouts, um, that seems okay. The issue is earnings risks are still there. Um, but the great thing about small caps is that you do have lots of pockets of opportunity. And so when we look at our portfolio, around a third of the stocks that we own um, trade on a PE for less than 13 times.
1: So there are opportunities out there. Katie, what about you? Are you seeing some value in the small cap space at the moment?
0: Yeah, I think Mike's right that um, it's certainly in terms of where the multiple is um, looks interesting. What's even more interesting is relative to large caps, small caps have had a big risk-off environment uh, and relative to large caps trading at probably 20-year lows. So that relative valuation opportunity certainly speaks to uh, compelling opportunities in the small cap space at the moment. Um, And so we're finding a lot of opportunities, particularly in the growth part of the market, with risk-off last year, growth selling off, Uh, we're certainly finding a lot of opportunities there.
1: Let's talk about some clangers, Katie. What was one position (laughs) in the portfolio that you got uh, wrong over the last 12 months and what did you learn from it?
0: So our worst performing stock last year was Megaport. Um, we had an underweight to the technology part of the market. We had a big underweight to the unprofitable technology part of the market. So we certainly got the sector call right, but owning Megaport um, proved to be certainly quite challenging. Um, we thought it would prove to be more resilient and certainly the revenue has. Um, their revenue is very resilient uh, and they've you know, their competitive position has, has remained intact. Uh, What we got wrong there was just execution issues, particularly about some of the growth strategy, and that's led to some management changes. Uh, And I think the key insight there is where you've got a company that's unprofitable and still burning cash, you need a big margin of safety around valuation.
1: And Mike, what about you? Was it clanger for the portfolio over the last 12 months?
2: Yeah, for us, Smart Group was, was one that we got wrong. Uh, we liked it for strong cash generation and defensive earnings stream, and we thought we'd actually get kickers coming out of new vehicle supply normalising and also an efficiency program they're running that's designed to add 15 to 20% to earnings. But what we got wrong there was the um, timing of that supply chain unwind, which we're still waiting on. and. Over that time as well, you've had inflation pop up and the impact that inflation's had on their business specifically has been more than we expected it to be. And so that's eaten into profits and eaten into some of these benefits from the efficiency program.
1: Michael, stay with you. Which sectors look particularly attractive right now? Uh,
2: We like the um, travel sector for its strong earnings momentum. Um, We like profitable tech where you've got defensive uh, and predictable earnings growth. And we also liked aged care, which... um, is a bit bombed out at the moment, but we think that there's a catalyst there with government stimulus likely to step up, and that should see these companies generating returns on capital that get some way back to where they used to be.
0: Katie, what about you? Some sectors that look attractive right now? Yeah, so when we think about um, the investment horizons that we think about, it's probably three or four years. And against that backdrop, we think we're going to be in a low growth environment. Uh, So it's going to be really interesting, I think, to focus on companies that can generate cash, that compound earnings growth, uh, and that can take market share. So with a lot of those companies having sold off last year, we think there's a lot of opportunity in that growth part of the market, you know, to Mike's point, technology, some of the financials, um, and we're finding a lot of opportunity there.
1: And uh, the other side of that, Katie, which sectors are you avoiding right now?
0: So there's an alarming number of sectors where they're still over-earning and we're really trying to avoid those parts of the market. We think there needs to be an earnings step down before we'd be interested. Uh, So to call some of those out, retail had a great COVID, uh, they still need to normalise their earnings and come back. Uh, Agriculture has had a good few years. Uh, Conditions have been great. Commodity prices have been great as well. So we think that needs to come back. Uh, Health insurance, the banking sector with net interest margins quite elevated. So there's a number of sectors, or energy is probably another one to call out, a number of sectors where they're over-earning and where we would uh, continue to avoid them at least for the near term until those earnings reset.
1: And Mike, what about you? Some sectors that you are avoiding at the moment?
0: Yes, yeah, similar to Katie,
2: retail is one we're avoiding. We think they are over-earning and notwithstanding they might look cheap. There are consumer headwinds that are that are popping up right now. Um, on a similar theme to that, the auto dealers. You know, We think that car prices and gross margins are still too high. They'll come down. And then the long-term future of that industry is a little bit in question in our mind just around um, the effect that the shift towards the agency model has. And then REITs is the other area where... Again, they have um, been reset lower in in share price terms, but you've got a highly geared sector, the cost of funding is continuing to increase, and we haven't yet really seen any valuation rebasing happen.
1: Mike, the million-dollar question, if you had to go all in on one stock, one small cap, what would it be and why? Yeah,
2: well, of course we'd never do this, uh, Chris, but (laughs) if if we had to, uh, it would be News Corp um, for us. It's a company that has a number of um, great businesses under the hood, Uh, You've got realestate.com.au, which is the world's most profitable real estate portal. Uh, Move, which is the second largest real estate portal in the US. And Dow Jones, which includes Wall Street Journal and uh, Barron's Group. And with these businesses, uh, the old school media business that we see as being under pressure, the the, the old newspaper business, that's really only 10% of earnings or actually a bit less than that now. Um, and so from a valuation standpoint, when we look at where the peers are trading, News Corp's about a 30% discount on a sum of the parts basis. But the interesting bit is when we strip out realestate.com.au, which is traded on a daily basis, we have a clear valuation priced every day there. Stripping that out, the rest of the business, which is two-thirds of group earnings, trades at about a 75% discount to its peer group. And so we think that the uh, risk-reward there is extremely favourable for investors.
1: And Katie, what about you? One small small cup that you would go all in on?
0: So I'm going to go a bit different. So we we have resources, um, research capability as part of our team. We've added a lot of value in that part of the market. I know some small cap investors don't, so that's one that I thought I'd call out. Uh, copper is a commodity we're really positive on for the longer term. It should be a beneficiary of the uh, energy transition. And unlike some uh, commodities like lithium, it's trading much closer to its marginal cost of supply. Uh, it's difficult to access supply, so that should support the commodity price over time. Uh, and with Minerals uh, now under takeover, uh, it's hard to find really good exposure. So we think Sandfire will be a winner there. They've got two really good mines. They've got good long life with those mines. They're a quality cost producer. Um, they've recapitalised the balance sheet and having board and management renewal, which we think will be positive as well. So uh, copper and Sandfire. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you
1: enjoyed that episode of Buy, Hold, Sell as much as I did, make sure to give it a like. And don't forget to follow our, our YouTube channel because we're adding great new content every week.
0: Thanks for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one source of expert investment analysis and insights. Register for free online at livewiremarkets.com and you'll discover more exclusive investing articles, videos and podcasts.